listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. Welcome to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marina Buxov, holistic health coach, clinical herbalist, and functional medicine pharmacist, or just holistic pharmacist for short. Whether you're a healthcare professional helping to support the health of your clients or going through your personal healing journey, I believe you will find yourself right at home with this podcast. My co-hosts and I will be merging the scientific with the holistic all season long, as well as sharing stories that will touch your heart and challenge your mind. Please enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. I feel privileged and blessed to be back this week with another episode for you all. Some of you may have seen on social media that I've recently had a baby, so I've had my hands full. I also had an acute personal health emergency situation pop up, but I'm hoping it's nothing but up from here on out. All that is to say, I'm a bit behind on my work, including this podcast, so thank you for sticking around and bearing with me. This next episode was recorded a while back, so I plan to have a live update on everything new that my next guest has been up to nowadays. For now, I hope you enjoy this introduction to the lovely lady. Dr. Nana Ama Kwanza is a pharmacist, diabetes functional medicine practitioner, and a business owner. She graduated from Northern Kentucky University with a Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry and the University of Kentucky College of Pharmacy with a Doctor of Pharmacy degree. As founder and CEO of NAQ Pharmacy Consulting, she has empowered focus-driven women living with pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes to regain control of their health and be less dependent on prescription medication through lifestyle intervention. Also, she helps them to gain confidence in their ability to lose weight and learn what to eat without being on a restricted diet through her Ditch Diabetes Academy. Her pharmacy consulting practice was established with the sole purpose of bringing a human touch to patient care and offering healthcare solutions to private clinics and independent pharmacy owners by integrating wellness programs into their practices. Prior to becoming a diabetes health coach, Dr. Nana worked at various Fortune 500 retail companies and large hospital settings as a pharmacist. Her diverse experience has made her well-versed in understanding patient needs and challenges in the healthcare system. Dr. Nana's tips have been featured on several podcasts, diabetes workshops, webinars, social media, and international television, including Pan-African TV and GoTV Africa. Dr. Nana's excellent leadership skills, expertise, and passion for people have aided many people with type 2 diabetes in the U.S. and other nations in reaching their full potential through lifestyle changes to live a healthy life. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I have a special guest with me today, as always. They're all special, my guests. Um, so today I have Dr. Nana Ama Kwanza. Mm-hmm. I think I pronounced that right? Yes, and you did. 
She is a functional medicine pharmacist who specializes in diabetes. So welcome, Nana, to the show. Thank you, Marina. Thank you for the introduction. I'm happy to be here. Yes. So I always like to start with a little bit of um, a background into where you grew up and how you okay. became a pharmacist. Oh, okay. Uh, so let's see, where should I start? So I'm originally from Ghana. I came to the United States in 2006. So that's about 15 years ago. Yeah. So uh, for me, I always knew that I wanted to be in the health field. So I quite remember when I was in high school, I got accepted into um, like a business program. So I was in the class for about two weeks and something was just not right. <laughs> something was just not right. So I really remember grabbing my desk and it was one of those desks that the chair and the table are together. So I grabbed that with my little self and I walked myself to the science uh, room, the science class. Wow. And yeah. <laughs> and of course, I got into trouble with that with our headmistress. That's what we call them back home, uh, principal. And I mean, eventually they allowed me to be in the science, uh, science class. So fast forward, I graduated in the, with a science program and I went to college for a semester actually in Ghana. So after that semester, I relocated to U.S. Um, so luckily for me, my sister was actually here. So the transition, so it was Kentucky, I know. <laughs> so uh, my sister was here. So the transition wasn't too bad for me. It was actually smooth because at least I had someone here to kind of direct me where to go and all that good stuff. Uh, and also, uh, we didn't really have a lot of challenges initially because my my dad helped with the tuition, the undergrad tuition and things of that nature. So the only thing that we had to do was kind of find a little job here and there just to help with the clothes, rent and all that stuff, you know, because it's the international tuition is quite expensive. So we didn't want to overburden him with, you know, the extra thing. So that was what we were doing. And that's when I was like, oh, boy, life is really interesting. So I would say America has been a blessing. It actually made me matured and it actually made me start my, you know, my adult years. So it was quite interesting for me. You know, things are quite different. They were different. Well, they are still kind of different. When I came here, you know, the spelling of things were different. How you pronounce things are different. Everything was different, right? So I actually have a funny story with that. Um, I remember like when we got here, I had to present like my vaccinations and stuff. So I remember that one time I went to the international office to present my vaccinations documents, all that good stuff. And I was like, okay, here is my, so in Ghana, we call it here, we call it tetanus, right? But in Ghana, we call it tetanus. So I went over there and I'm like, okay, here is my records. I've done my tetanus. I've done the He's like, I, I don't know what you mean. I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know what you mean. <laughs> so it was like a really funny story because I was like, why can't this lady understand what I'm saying? Because I know I do have an accent and all, but it's not that thick. So, um, you know, I had to write it down for her. And she's like, oh, tetanus. And I'm like, okay. 
ladies. So that's, it was quite interesting. So everything was different. And we literally had to adjust to how they do things here. Cause we, we speak the, I would say, I guess the England, the Queen's language and here is different. The spell, everything was different. So you kind of have to adjust. So that was a bit tough for us. And of course, one of my challenges was also in, in school. Uh, you know, you do all these projects, work with people, and then the next semester, they act like they don't know you. Meanwhile, <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, like the, the previous semester, they, you know, you guys were calling each other and doing the homework and doing all the, I'm, I'm pretty sure you probably had the same experience if you came from your country to the uh, United States. So it was quite an experience. So when I got here, you know, I realized that whenever you are in all these settings, people will kind of blow you off whenever you speak, whenever you're trying to contribute, they'll blow you off. So that kind of took a toll on me a little bit. I, I started feeling like I had lost my voice. Mm -hmm. I started shrinking because I'm like, you know, usually uh, I talk, I'm bubbly, I'm, you know, but I started seeing that I was shrinking. So even the power, I felt like somebody had taken the power to communicate from me. It, it just didn't feel good. And um, I actually didn't feel accepted as an international student in the beginning. Um, so it was it was quite a, a crazy moment for me. So, you know, I started, you know, I was like, as an immigrant, you, you just don't, you're not used to that lifestyle so you were like oh no this can't happen to me you know so I started I had to rewrite my story I had to just see something different so what I did was to kind of push position myself in different um, places where you know I can contribute I can speak I can you know just connect with people that I'm, I vibe with so I started doing that and I during that time I met a lot of mentors I met a lot of really cool people. So I kind of was starting back, you know, getting back to myself, getting, you know, uh, connected to all these people. So basically I met like a mentor who was a pharmacist. And back then he were, he used to work in a hospital and retail. So I started shadow. I graduated from undergrad with biochemistry and I was like, okay, what am I going to do with this? And I started shadowing him. And, you know, I saw how he was serving people. I like how he was kind of saving lives. I'll put it that way. So that got my interest. And I literally fell in love with pharmacy. And I also saw what other international students were doing. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give it a try. So my route to pharmacy wasn't really like a planned, I would say, when I was relocating here, but I fell in love with it just from shadowing and the experiences that I've got or saw from other people. Yeah, so that's how I became a pharmacist. <laughs> I went into pharmacy school, yeah. Yeah, that's an amazing journey so far. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit about um, what exactly you feel drew you to the scientists and to the medicine because you mentioned mm -hmm. I've always felt drawn to it even mm -hmm. in class right so can you pinpoint exactly why you felt called to the health profession I really I don't think I have an answer for that but I knew that I wasn't really functioning well in the science I mean in the business classes I literally was not retaining anything Something was just not right. I can't explain it, but when I was in those classes, I just was not retaining anything and I felt lost. 
So that it was just not aligning with my soul. So I can't give you an example of, okay, this happened to me. And then I'm like, okay, I want to be in the health field. And also, you know, in Ghana, there are so many underserved uh, communities as well back then. And, and still, they still have the underserved communities as well. So also, I think that also brought a bit of... Uh, I would say motivation or give me awareness that that happens. So I kind of wanted to be in that field to, to help or serve people in that way as well. So, yeah. Yeah, great answer. I think <laughs> a lot of times when we're naturally drawn to something, we're interested in a subject, mm -hmm. we can sit and we can retain the information. We could focus on it. It's exciting. <laughs> exactly. But if we oh, don't yes. have an interest, <laughs> we just literally can't absorb the information you're right mm -hmm. and I mean just thinking back I'm like maybe I should have stayed in that class <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say you know yeah maybe I should have stayed in that class because it worked out crazy that now every, you know most people want to do business and stuff like that but I don't regret anything that I've I've gone through I think that our personal journeys actually um, help us or kind of helps us to get to where we want to be in the future so I, I don't regret that um, transition <laughs> so I would love to dive into what you're currently doing um, you know and how business would have come in handy for you but let's save that a little bit for the end and let's go back to your story about how you moved to um america right so how did those opportunities come about how did your sister come here first um and how, how did you grow up also did you come from a big family and does your family um also do something in healthcare, or you know how did that all your upbringing kind of lead you to where you are Mm -hmm. uh, so my sister got here because um, I guess she also knew other people that were in Kentucky as an international student. So that's how she uh, got here on a student visa in the beginning and then, you know, started school. But I think one of the things that my dad did, oh, sorry, there's something poking me here. <laughs> so one of my dad, actually, I have three other sisters. So we are all girls and my dad and my dad and my mom. So six total. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. So for my dad, he made sure that we all had, you know, great opportunities. You know, we were set in life. So basically all my sisters were in, in abroad. I do have two sisters that are in London and then my sister, my third sister, and then me, we are in America. Mm -hmm. So basically my dad, I think after the high school and the, you know, schooling in Ghana, she, he realized that he wanted maybe, I don't know why he did that, but he wanted his children to go abroad for school. Because in thinking about it, I believe that he did that because he knew there were opportunities here. And he knew that if you if you put in effort and if you do a lot of hard work, you will be rewarded, right? Mm -hmm. Especially anywhere, like in, even in London and here. I mean, not entirely, but at least you know for certain that if you do that hard work, if you put in the effort, you'll be rewarded some way. Mm -hmm. So I think that was his um, that was his secret behind all that stuff. So that's why he made all his children um, go abroad um, after a little bit of schooling in Ghana. Yeah. 
Yeah, that sounds like he was very resourceful in more than one way. So he had yeah. the insight and also, like you said, he was paying the tuition. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah he, he, he definitely is a very hardworking man. And even still, you know, even me doing what I'm doing, he will have like, he, he's the biggest cheerleader. So he would just be behind the scenes, be like, okay, go, go. At first, he really wasn't understanding the business. I didn't, I know we'll talk about it, but he he believes in the traditional way, you know, just be a whatever you want to be. He And he's never forceful. He never forces you to be something you don't want to do. So I I really got a lot of, I got a lot of characters and stuff from them. Very resilient people, hardworking and yeah, I'm, I'm actually a proud, I guess, daughter. <laughs> yeah, it's so important as we're finding out, you know, epigenetics are everything and the mm-hmm. environment that you grew up in and that you surround yourself yeah. in, if it's not supportive, it's really mm-hmm. could be detrimental in a lot of ways. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So it's I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad they were like that. <laughs> so I could be where I am. <laughs> Yeah, just really amazing support and understanding and empathy mm-hmm. and, you know, wanting the best for your children and really being willing to listen to what your children want rather than imposing stuff on them is so important. Mm-hmm. But don't get me, don't get me wrong, but they just wanted you to be in like careers that were really good, you know, not just anything. They they wanted you to be in, a, in, in things that actually at the end of the day, you get a good job from it, you know, so it wasn't okay, just do whatever you're passionate with or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, African parents don't do that. They want you to be in like, okay, good careers and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, they want you to be rewarded at the end of your hard work. Exactly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and analyze the risk, you know, of each career. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you got it (laughs) so how is your family now is it are you still all spread out across the globe or how are you Mm -hmm. able to stay in touch oh well through we talk every day through whatsapp i don't know whether you're familiar with that but we whatsapp even zoom i had to literally teach my dad how to use the zoom so sometimes he will i want to see i'm like we can do facetime we don't have to be on zoom but i think now that he knows about zoom because of all this covid and stuff he kind of always wants to be on zoom but yeah we keep in touch i would say almost every day yeah but we are all spread up because my parents are still in Ghana, but they do come here a lot for holidays and I go back as well. So yeah, it doesn't feel, there's no disconnection there. It's always like they actually been sitting here with me. <laughs> wow. You are quite an international family. Yeah. Yeah. We are all over the place, but we try as much as possible to go back home and, you know, reconnect because sometimes the virtual stuff is not enough. You want that physical touch and the real cooking and all that good stuff. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, We're finding out now, especially about how important connection is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In isolation, it's really not uh, possible to thrive you know as oh yeah because we're such social creatures yep I agree <laughs> 
So let's go back to you finally decided on a career that your parents probably uh, agreed on and approved of. You <laughs> no, they they just love me. They know that I'll pick something good. So they're not really like, okay, I'm gonna approve this. When I told them I wanted to be a pharmacist, they like, okay, sure. That's fine, because they knew that I didn't know what I was going to do with my biochemistry degree. So I graduated and I'm like, oh, what next? So then I decided to shadow and uh, get all those little experience here and there. So I was volunteering my time with my mentor. I'll just go to work with him for a few hours. And I was like, OK, I want to do this. So let's let's go. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, those are great points about mentorship and experience. because. Mm -hmm mentors are really you know great teachers that actually can lead you on your path because they've done it already exactly yeah and so it kind of shortens the learning curve for you and also personal attention is really really important as well and then having an apprenticeship of some sort or hands-on experience is also something that's often missing even though we do get that at the end of our pharmacy school experience which is awesome and gives us um great insight into what field we'd like to go into um a lot of careers don't have that hands-on yeah. role and i think i think students should really be exposed to that earlier on oh yeah mm -hmm. So how did you decide on a pharmacy school and what was your experience like in pharmacy school and on your rotations? Uh, so, you know, like I had mentioned, I was in Kentucky, so it was Northern Kentucky. That's where I did my undergrad. And I think the closest school was uh, University of Kentucky. So that's where I went to pharmacy school. So I did extra four years of the real pharmacy school. And when I got into pharmacy school, I mean, it was good. Um, I I was the only, no, I wasn't the only, uh, uh, well, I wasn't the only African person in my class. We were just few minorities in the class. So um, I, for me, I don't, uh, those things don't really bother me that much, but it was a really, I had a good experience in uh, pharmacy school, just the same challenges of, you know, not being heard and all that stuff that I explained undergrad, but I knew how to deal with it this time around, you know, so it didn't really affect me that much. I made amazing friends in pharmacy school. It was a, it was a good experience. And, you know, the people in my class were really nice. And um, I made some really good friends over there. So then we graduated. <laughs> uh, yeah, so after I graduated at the time, that was when residency like was a big thing, right? So even though it wasn't required, I graduated in 2014. So I've been a pharmacist, is it seven years? Something like that. So um, so when I graduated, that was when the residency was a big thing. So of course I applied. I knew that I wanted to do more clinical services because my rotations, majority of my rotations were in that. I did all those cardiology, critical care, emergency, ambulatory. Those are the, the rotations that I picked. So that's what sparked my interest. So that's what I wanted to do when I graduate from pharmacy school. Uh, so when I graduated, I applied. I, well, I tried my best to be involved and set myself apart. Well, so I thought. <laughs> so when I, I applied for residency, I didn't get into residency. I'm like, oh boy. So I went to Ghana. So I did my rotations back to back. 
in the last six weeks before graduation, I, and that was my free month or free rotation period or whatever. So I, I went back to Ghana just to relax, right? So I didn't, I didn't much. And then I went back to Ghana and I, I, I relaxed a little bit and I was like, okay, let me just reapply. So I went through it then it was called scrambling. I don't know the name for it now. But it was like the post-match, the people that got interviewed and they might try to go through another process and interview. So I did that process. It was called scrambling at the time. So I did that. I thought the interview went well. Everything was fine. And even there's a whole story behind that. <laughs> I remember on the day of my interview, I actually, my computer was not working. So I had to go to my friend's office. It was just a whole mess. So I had to go to my friend's <laughs> office and get that interview done, all, all sort of stuff. So uh, fast forward, I also didn't match with the post, um, post interview. So I came back to the United States. They talk about disappointment, but that was okay. I came back and I graduated. We walked on the stage, all that good stuff. And then I wrote my board exam, I passed, and then I, I became a pharmacist. So then I relocated to North Carolina and I started practice. And I wanted to leave Kentucky because I had done eight years of schooling there. So I wanted a different, you know, scenery. And I was, I'm really open to changing uh, scenery. So it wasn't like a big thing for me. So I moved to North Carolina. With no, with no one was there. I didn't know anybody there. So that was a great start for me. And I, I moved to North Carolina. I started practicing in a retail. And um, because it wasn't my first choice, it wasn't something that I enjoyed in the beginning. So I was, this is just what I got. So I started, you know, doing that. And I realized that it wasn't something that I really wanted. I mean, I knew that going in, but life happens. So sometimes you just have to take whatever that you have at the moment. So I realized that wasn't, as the time was going, I just realized that it wasn't something that I wanted or it wasn't the best fit for me. I guess I'll put it that way because it's, it's a great setting, but it's not for everybody. So, but for me, it wasn't the best fit for me. Yeah. So that's, that's how I started my pharmacy, uh, being a pharmacist. So why did you decide to move there and how did you find your first retail position? And then did your sister move or did she stay in Kentucky? No, she was in Kentucky, but she had also moved to another state. So I, I just also, we were, because we were done with our, you know, <laughs> we were done in Kentucky. So she moved to another state. And also when I graduated, I, I don't know why I chose North Carolina. I think that I'm more so like a beachy person. I love beaches and stuff like that. And in North Carolina, they have that. And then it's a bit greenery as well. So it was also a short distance from Kentucky, you know. So I was like, oh, it's not too far. So I just chose. I didn't really have a particular reason. It was just, I, I just chose it. And because I'm from another country, moving to another state is not, like a big deal to me you know it's not really something that I'm gonna think about it for years before I do it I'm just open-minded so I just did that yeah awesome and how did you find that first retail job I just 
applying, just applying and online and then just getting, I didn't know anyone and I still don't know anybody. <laughs> so it wasn't someone hooking me up or anything like that. No, I just didn't know like all those big people. I, I just don't know them. So I just applied like everybody else and I got an interview and I, I just got it. Yeah. So that's so interesting. Uh, did you move before you had a position secured or did you first secure the position? You know what, Marina? I actually, I don't remember. I can't remember. I don't know. I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure. I know even when I was there, no, because I was in North Carolina and I was taking my board. So I was just, you know, learning and going because it, it's a different space I had to go to the lessons for the MPJE I don't know whether they call that they yeah. call it like that still but um you know it was a different space I was just learning and I remember I didn't have a job at that time so I graduated and moved there and then I got those interviews yeah yeah, that's pretty bold. I mean, even for people that are open-minded and open to change and have... No, but I'm pretty sure you would have done the same thing, especially if you're coming from another country, because you're used to it. If I can do it way back from Ghana to here, I'm pretty sure I can do it within the country. <laughs> you know, it's not anything that would terrify you, because if you're coming from a whole different country to another country, you've been able to go through all those challenges and all that stuff. So just moving to another state is not something that will terrify you. I, I wouldn't think so. So I know you can do it as well. Thank you. But I've been in New York for like 20 years already. So. <laughs> <laughs> you need to move. <laughs> You're inspiring me. <laughs> you need to move. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, I'm a little resistant because I do have a lot of family and friends here. Um, okay. Uh -huh. So so it's been like a little cocoon, right? Um uh -huh. it's really different. Like no place in the world is like New York. So I'm a little reluctant. I, I you know, it's so crazy because I'm not, I love New York, but I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of big, big cities. <laughs> Starting to not be, especially with, you know, all the restrictions nowadays. Mm -hmm. I think you definitely need to get away somewhere more suburban or smaller city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's amazing that, you know, you had the confidence and the resilience and, you know, the inner mm -hmm kind of strength to tell yourself, hey, yeah, you've done this before. You can do this. This is no mm -hmm. big deal. Yeah, sometimes I surprise my family, actually. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, I just pack and move. <laughs> awesome. So tell us a little bit about how it was working in retail. Did you apply to an independent or a chain and you know, how you transitioned and you said it wasn't really for you. So what steps did you take to find what is for you? <laughs> uh, so for me, I, at the time, I didn't know anything about independent pharmacies, actually. I only knew retail and hospital. I don't know why I only knew those two, but <laughs> for some reason, I only knew about those two. So um, 
after years, well, maybe when I went in there, I knew that it wasn't something that I wanted to be in permanently. So even when I got accepted, I was still looking for other opportunities because I knew what was in the back of my head, right? So I started applying, 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 and then uh, it got to a time I did get another opportunity in the hospital. So I took it, even though it was really tough with the schedule, because I used to work 12 hours with my retail uh, job. So, but it wasn't every day. So I, I do that on my days off, I go to the hospital. And I wanted that because I wanted to have that experience, right? Remember, I didn't, I didn't much with residencies. So I wanted <laughs> that experience. I wanted to know what it was all about because I enjoyed it in during rotation. So I took the positions. I was actually working two jobs uh, for a while, for, wow. yeah, for, for a while. And um, I wasn't getting like a full-time job over there because they were also limited. So I had to do that part-time. And sometimes it was even a lot. And sometimes they will call you for more hours. I'm like, oh boy, I can't do this. I already have a full-time. This is getting too much. So, and then where, where I was doing my retail, it wasn't also an easy location. It was a very, it was a tough, it was a tough one. Um, I guess I'll put it that way. So it wasn't like, okay, I'm going in and just sitting down and come back home. It was really, it was a tough place to work. Um, but I had the best team ever, best team. Like we will laugh and I like to laugh a lot. So pardon me if I'm doing that in this interview, but we, we had the best time. And I think sometimes I use it as a, it's, I, I guess I use it if I'm stressed or something like that. So that was my little secret. We were just laughing, cracking jokes. So the, the people I was working with wasn't bad. I loved them. And we still connected up, up until now. We still talk to each other. So when, when I was there, um, you know, several things drove me to do something different. I mean, it's not, I can't pinpoint it to just one thing. Um, I think that um, I realized pretty quickly that there was no value in what I was doing then. You know, you were not, I, I wouldn't say there was no value. There was value, but I wasn't, I guess, appreciated or something like that. There was a lot of disrespect coming from the patient as well. You know, you're doing your best. So even though I didn't match with residency, I gained passion with what I was doing because I'm like, I was involved in all those clinical services that they make us do in retail thinking that it's going to help patient care. But, you know, it wasn't, it's not really, it's not really it. It doesn't really bring that good result. So I was really doing that because I like that aspect of pharmacy. So I started being passionate about that stuff. So, but then you realize that even though you call people, you do all these adherence calls, you you call them to pick up their medications, you realize that they're, they're just not interested. They just be like, have you filled my medication, Nana? And I'll be like, yeah, but that's not the point of this call, you know? Yeah. You know, so... You, you realize that they, they just think that you just count the pills, you give it to them and that's it. They didn't really see you as um, someone who wants to do more or do something else with your health. So that was one of the factors. Another factor actually was also affecting my health. So naturally I'm a very petite person, but I realized that I was losing weight, right? Because I don't go 
it was 12 hour shift and I barely was eating and I'll just have my orange juice there and I'll be drinking it during the day. And it just, and then when I go home, I'm tired. I'll apply for jobs if I, when, before I got the hospital job, you know? So when I go home, it's late as mine and I won't feel like eating and I'll just drink something and mm-hmm. sleep. So I wasn't, I really wasn't taking care of myself. So fast forward, I think I probably had some kind of inflammation or something. I don't know. But I know I wasn't my best. So that was also another factor. And of course, with like most pharmacists, you realize that you just dispensing and people are not really getting better with the medications that they're on. They are, as a matter of fact, they are getting worse. They are complaining. You know, you really don't have that time to also talk to them about nutrition or counseling or anything of that sort, you know. So it, that was also part of it. And just a whole lot of <laughs> factors was driving me to do get out of there so um I started you know researching I got a career coach then and you know they opened my eyes into the different things that pharmacists can do uh so I was I was trying I got out of my comfort zone a little bit it wasn't complete so I got out of it I was connecting they you know they kind of thought me I wasn't really um I guess I wasn't, I didn't really know all these social media stuff. So I wasn't on LinkedIn then, you know, I had a profile, but I wasn't really doing anything. So they taught me how to connect with people, how to, you know, do all the extra things you have to do to get out there. So initially I got all that information from my career coach. Um, she was just really good. Um, so I did all that. And then fast forward, I moved to uh, Texas uh, after five years of working because I got married and I moved to Texas. So with my husband, so once I moved here, I got, I, I knew that there were more to just retail and hospital, but I really still didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, right? So obviously I applied for jobs and stuff again and I I got uh, independent pharmacy. So that was my first independent pharmacy. And it was really sweet, less stress. It was really good, you know, but I realized that in a way it's kind of the same, you know, the same challenges that you go through. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you find the move to Texas now with somebody else? Was it a much smoother transition this time? I mean, back then it wasn't a bad transition for me, but you know, so with with or without anybody, I'll move <laughs> and I'll be okay. But it was like you said, it was a easier transition. Like I had mentioned, I'm not really a big fan of big cities, and Texas is a really big city. It's something out of what I would usually would have picked because I always like the small places for some reason. So just having someone here who, you know, who knows the city and stuff like that was really comforting and I liked that better. So that 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 was a good transition. I liked it and yeah. And now I'm, I'm stuck here for now. <laughs> Where in Texas are you? At Dallas, Dallas area. Got it. Yeah, that is pretty big. It's quite, yeah, it's quite, yeah. It takes you a while to get to places. And that's something I just, 
I don't, I'm not a big fan of that. I just want to drive 15 minutes to work. I want to drive five minutes to play. I don't want to be in traffic. Yeah. So it's quiet. It was quite a transition. And I think I'm still getting used to it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And now it's like become a hot spot and people are moving there from everywhere. So yes, it sure is. Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I... Yeah, you mentioned getting a career coach. So how instrumental was that in you deciding that you do want to transition? And in in what way did you start building out your own plan for what you're doing now? And what does that look like? Uh, so the, I still wasn't really into the entrepreneur journey. I still just, for some reason, I was still thinking of working for people. So the career coach was basically helped me get another job, something different that somebody owns, like in the corporate world, right? So that was uh, what I did with my career coach. It was more so, you know, uh, getting involved in the community, getting how to reach out the organization. It's not only hospital, it's not only uh, retail, there is more to it than just that. So I went in knowing all this, but I needed the assistance or the guidance to, I guess, help me put all the stuff that was guided in my brain together. I just needed that person to kind of guide me. Yeah. So when I, I moved, I got into a different setting, which is independent pharmacy. And that was something that I wasn't really used to. You know, I hadn't done it before. So it was a bit different. So when I was there in the independent pharmacy, I realized I started pitching my ideas to the owners. So I was like, okay, maybe we can do this. I was, because I was so, I had that inner desire for clinical services, all those you know, then I thought MTMs was a big thing, but I realized there's not really that effective, like in a certain way. Mm-hmm. So I was pitching all these ideas to to them. And, you know, independent pharmacy, it's kind of like, uh, it's hard to sell stuff to them or for them to do something different. Because obviously it's very understandable. They are, they're getting all those issues with reimbursement and things of that nature. So it just was not working. So I, I, I did all this rich search. I did. I think that's when I started learning about consulting and getting all these other ideas and, you know, the things you can do to kind of increase uh, revenue for them and also to help have better patient outcome. So none of it was working out on my off days. I'll go to different pharmacies and talk to them. Hey, we can do this. We can do this. We can do that. And they were not really forthcoming I would say so uh, I just decided that I would just do it myself (laughs) because they were not because you know they were thinking about I'm like you don't even need any capital for this you know we just do this and try we can do it as a pilot program or whatever this situation may be but they weren't really open so then I and that was also part-time wasn't a full-time job so I just on my off days I'll just do my own so I did this consulting thing underground for for a while but obviously wasn't working too much so I had to get another coach like a personal coach and that actually made me realize I had to show up on social media talk about stuff and all that good stuff so that's when because I knew all this information it was in my head but then I didn't know I guess how to do it so then I had to get another coach uh, to help me with it. I mean, sometimes some people don't, but I had to. And that was one that actually helped me birth what I'm doing now. 
Yeah, I mean, I would say that very few people innately know what to do without any sort of training or mentorship or coaching. I uh-huh. <laughs> went back to you being in that business class, but nowadays business just is evolving so much and like all the platforms and the mm-hmm. social media that you were mentioning and mm-hmm. how to get clients and how to build a personal brand mm-hmm. and how people and why people buy from you is all changing. So yeah, you know, it's like you have to be like on top of it. And usually yeah. if, if you've been studying, you know, something else all your life, you're not able to be on top of other industries. Absolutely. Now, it's a different, it's a different thing altogether. Yeah. yeah. Now you're combining to, you know, the, the business and the science and the service and the clinical part of it. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, why do you think you were being driven all along to this more clinical side? Why is it so important for you to get patients better and get to the bottom of things? And then also mm-hmm. how you um, specialized in diabetes in particular and how you use the functional approach? Mm-hmm. So I think initially when I wanted the clinical services, I just wanted to be involved in the care of the patient. But then I think it changed a bit because I realized that even them being on medication is not helping them. So I actually found that uh, when I was working retail that as much as they're on this medication, they are just taking it, we are you know, dispensing it each month, but they are feeling worse. And while I was there, I was also really talking to them on another level as in it ended up being like a life coaching moment for me with the people that I was close with, the patient that I was close with. So, you know, you realize they don't, they are not happy with what they are doing. You know, so I, I, I'll bring out, I'll see that I'll, I'm bringing the best out of them. I'll be like, okay. And you know, something that is weird, Marina, even though we talk about wellness a lot, sometimes Financial freedom and wellness, they are like in sync because you can tell people that, hey, try to, you know, apply all these techniques to to help you be less stressed. But you cannot tell somebody who's struggling financially and stuff like that not to be stressed. It's it's, it's possible, but it's kind of it's hard. Right. It's the reason for their underlying stress. Yeah, exactly. That's so if they can fix that financial issue. So we ended up sometimes I go on a tangent and be talking about, and I now I realized I guess it was like a life coaching or something that I was doing. (laughs) Yeah, because in functional medicine we talk about root cause, but if you Mm -hmm. can't get rid of the actual root of the problem, if the problem is exactly. So everything yeah. becomes still a band-aid. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I was doing that, but I didn't know that it had a name for that. You know, I would just be like, okay, that's just Nana being Nana. I just I'm just talking to the people that I would and we're trying to figure out what's going on. So if it's stress, do you have a job? Why are you not, you know, why don't you have a job? So I actually had one patient that comes in every day and then we just have conversations like that all day. We didn't have a job, so we ended up, okay, sir, you need to find a job. (laughs) Okay, one. (laughs) Exactly. You need to find a job. Don't depend on the government and all this. So it was like a total, I guess, gift or whatever I would say that I I have. So uh, fast forward, I got into diabetes because I had an encounter with a, a person that was living with diabetes in retail. And this is a person that we had dispensed, um, 
the meter and all those monitoring devices too for a long time. You know, it's been like two years or whatever. That's when I, you know, entered that practice. And one day, you know, we became a bit cool and all that. So one day he actually actually came to me and was like, can you please help me with this? So that kind of really, I was like, wow. So that means basically she wasn't using it because she didn't know how to how to even use it. Right. And obviously I, I thought I had failed as a practitioner because me coming into the practice, I'm like, okay, I'm sure somebody did it, you know, and even, even if it's not somebody, the doctor or somebody in that doctor's office had taught them. But not knowing this lady wasn't actually doing that. And you know, with diabetes, you know, they can actually have a different result if they had that personalized care, right? Most of most of the people don't, they are not doing well because they are just told, hey, eat well or eat healthy and you know, make sure you check your sugar or something like that. And yeah, okay, <laughs> what does that mean exactly? So that's what got me. So that lady and a few other people got me interested in it. So that's what I wanted to start with in my consulting. So I picked that because of that encounter that I had because I knew that. And also I kind of referenced it back to my parents because they're, my dad is in the 70s, my mom late 60s, and they don't have God by God's grace, they don't have, you know, any chronic conditions. So I'm like, what is it that is making them so functional? My dad over here doing meditation and flipping and doing all sorts of stuff. Like, what is it about it? I couldn't use myself as an example because I wasn't the most healthiest person, <laughs> you know, in terms of eating good and you know, I would eat my processed food and stuff like that. So I realized that there was more to it than that. So I knew that if they incorporate all that stuff in their lives, it will be much better. So yeah, that's how I got into diabetes and it's it's fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing <laughs> that your parents are able to serve as a healthy role model. Yes, they, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I can't use myself because I'm like, I was the queen of processed food and like grabbing stuff on my way home from work and stuff like that. So I can't, I couldn't use my, but now I'm like a way better person now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Often the healing journey starts with ourselves. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Those results with others because you picked up on the fact that there's something in your parents' lifestyle that is mm -hmm. happening for them or that they're actively incorporating that's making mm -hmm. them healthier that mm -hmm. your lifestyle is not incorporating. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you being stressed at, at your job too and applying to other jobs all the time and mm -hmm. not being completely satisfied with your role and mm -hmm. your clinical activity, and then, you know, not having the time to really take care of yourself, cook for yourself, or even consume a meal. Mm -hmm. And all of those are factors that add up and to stress, oh, yeah. which is absolutely the cost of everything. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I started with what I'm doing now. And, and it's uh, obviously with the, I started with lifestyle coaching and with time. I didn't know anything about functional medicine, even though I was kind of, I guess, doing a little bit of that when I was in retail, but I didn't know there was a technical name for it. I didn't know anything about it. So just basically being on social media has been a blessing because, you know, you get to 
follow you as well, follow other pharmacists, and they hear me talking about functional medicine, all this good stuff. So then that I've also sparked my interest. I'm like, okay. But I started with lifestyle modification. So I'm still incorporating that functional medicine aspect. I, I still a process for me because I'm still learning it myself as well. And uh, I'm not like a pro with it, but I'm still learning it, how to do all those diagnostic tests. And I just want, I was curious. I wanted to learn more and offer that to my patient later on down the line. Yeah, what I learned is that you don't have to start out as a pro. You have to be a little bit ahead of who you're helping. So you have to know at least a few steps more than the person you're helping. And you could already help them with just being a little bit ahead of where they are in their journey. And the interesting and good thing right now about functional medicine is you don't need an official you know, licensing or certification, Mm -hmm. those things exist and they're great for the people that um, Mm -hmm. can do it and really commit to it and commit Mm -hmm. to (laughs) training or, you know, all these modules. But Mm -hmm. um, many people are learning as they go or self-pacing or Mm -hmm. applying the principles of it and then doing the research themselves by, you know, going Mm -hmm. to pub med and researching everything is like out there you can just analyze the data and we also learn from other pharmacists you know there are a lot of functional medicine pharmacists online so you also learn from them you learn from you know all the things that you've mentioned as well so it's just a great journey yeah nowadays there's so much information available to us and yeah Social media is one of those uh, resources nowadays where people can (laughs) learn things. Of course, as a pharmacist, we want to make sure to cross-reference whatever we're learning. Absolutely. That's needed. (laughs) But, you know, it is becoming like a learning educational sharing platform Mm -hmm. where people are sharing their own wisdom Mm -hmm. for the collective. Yep. <laughs> so what are you doing now as a consultant? Have you um, quit pharmacy and are you now doing your business full time? And what are your services look like? No, I haven't quit pharmacy completely. <laughs> I'm still doing pharmacy. So I do the consultant. I consult with people that are living with diabetes that I, I do that still. And also, I actually got into traveling pharmacists. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, so I do contract and stuff. I did a contract in Oregon a few months ago. It was just COVID vaccination. Uh Yeah, so I do contract with independent pharmacies as well here and also doctor's offices just to help implement uh, preventative programs in their practice. So I do that on contract basis. And then I do my... um, diabetes uh, consultant as well. So those are the things that I'm doing at the moment and it's just taking all my time. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like a diverse set of skills. Yeah, yeah. You're using them in different ways. I want to get different experience in different areas. So it it ended up being a great opportunity, yeah. But there's something called travel pharmacists also. I was like, okay, let me just try that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I just heard about traveling nurses now, especially during COVID. And COVID, yeah. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I did a contract in Oregon a few months ago, and it was just a few weeks. And it was just vaccination. So it was just pretty much few pharmacists. I think we were three or four and a whole bunch of nurses. So yeah, I'm like, oh, why do you even know this existed? 
apparently you can even do it with like acute settings and things of that nature as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like leveraging resources if there's yeah. So you do it for a couple of weeks and that's it, and then you do another one and that's it, and you go. <laughs> so you don't you never get bored. <laughs> I yeah, guess. That's, that's another really unique and flexible uh, way mm-hmm. you can use your pharmacy skills. Yes, and it's flexible for me because of my consulting with the, the people that are living with diabetes. So it makes me have that time for them too. I'm not like working twelve hours or eight hours or nine hours. I mean, for now, and I'm not doing that. So it gives me that flexibility to do other things. Awesome. So how are you getting clients now? Uh, pretty much social media and also referrals from the doctors. So now I'm a, wherever I go, I talk about my business. I know it sounds weird, but every conversation I will tell you what I'm doing. So that's how people know about what I'm doing. And then they sometimes refer people to me and also social media. I do a lot of talking over there. (laughs) Yeah. And I think you have some educational events and things like that. Yeah. I do workshops, webinars, things of that nature. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Nana, for coming on. I'd love to just take one more minute, if you have it, for a rapid round fire questions. Sure. Sure. Let's go. (laughs) Uh, What's your number one advice? for people to improve their quality of life? I would I say write down your goals. I know I, I was about to say nutrition, but let's kind of go back a little bit. I would just say write down your goals because I think there's something really powerful. Even the Bible talks about writing things in plain you know, on plain paper, right? So there's something really powerful about writing things down and seeing it every day on your wall, on your mirror. I have like a lot of papers on my mirror. So it's like affirmations and goals and things of that nature. So I think writing them down, it's, it's, it's better to improve your quality of life because that will actually point down on what exactly is your why. So even if you're trying to derail or, and it goes down to nutrition. So why do you want to eat healthy food, right? If you don't know your why, then you can really do it every day. So I think my number one would be to write it down and also obviously consistency and nutrition, you know, now food is medicine. So we all know that food and lifestyle is just what, Uh, medicine is about so yeah yeah that is such a great tip because (laughs) really fundamental right to us Mm -hmm. just existing and living here and Mm -hmm. just figuring that out for ourselves and voicing that to ourselves and Mm -hmm. putting that down like you said you know physically manifesting it or you gotta see it every day Yeah. And the Bible also says first there was the word. So words are really powerful and the words you Mm -hmm. call yourself and the words that, you know, you're writing into being Mm -hmm. um, are, can be really intentional. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So what is your favorite hobby or pastime? It's, I would say traveling, spending time with family and traveling. Yeah, that's that's my favorite hobby. I just don't have any other skill for now. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So it's like traveling. I would say traveling is my hobby. I love it. I love to learn. I love to try different foods, know about different cultures, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What's your advice for other pharmacists or students that are looking to do something different other than retail or hospital? Hmm. So with pharmacists, I'll just say we already have the knowledge to do it. So just start, you know, just because I I was actually in my way a lot of times because I thought I needed a whole lot of things. But once I started doing it, I was attracting all the resources like you, you will get all those resources some way or the other. Just start. Right. So I think that's the advice that I will. Um, it's funny because even this afternoon, I had a pharmacist reach out to me. I was like, oh, I want to learn about all these nutrition. I said, honey, I didn't even know a lot about it. <laughs> <laughs> so just start. So because once you start, you start attracting all these resources and you, you will learn it. So just start. Yeah. And with, I guess you said student. Yeah. I would say just connect, connect with people online, you know, follow pharmacists that are doing the things that you want to do and get involved, just get connected with them and not just connecting with them for the heck of it or following them. You just want to ask them questions. How did you get here? What are you doing? Things of that nature. And I think that will be beneficial. That's so important. Yeah, I think those are really, really great tips. Um, and get a coach. <laughs> yeah, get a coach. Definitely. Yeah. Once you find somebody who whose footsteps you'd like to follow, you can yeah. get a coach um, like that or mm-hmm. them exactly or someone like them that will help. Exactly. You. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people don't need it, but majority of us need it. <laughs> Some people are just self-driven and they wouldn't know get the information or they will be able to get out of their way and do it, but some people also need it and majority of people need that yeah yeah like we were talking about earlier I think if you come from a very supportive environment that helps you thrive and really be confident in your own self maybe you'd be self-sufficient but anyone can benefit from a coach even oh, absolutely yeah yes. they already got everything going on they could do everything faster and more efficiently with a coach. Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> yeah. uh, so what's your favorite thing to eat and drink? Eat and drink. Oh, boy, Marina. <laughs> I guess a couple of years ago, I would say orange juice, because that's what I was drinking at work all day long. But I I would say matcha. Actually, I started drinking it, drinking that a few weeks ago, because I have a friend, and she's a pharmacist, and she introduced me to that. She's like, no, no, this is healthy. Drink it. And I tried it, and I can't let it go. I just love it. So that's my Good. new favorite beverage. So that's what I love to eat. I The food aspect, I'm not a big eater, but I do like different food. I do like Mediterranean foods, African foods, different. I'm not really set with, okay, this is what I need to eat. I'm, I'm quite open, but I love Mediterranean food a lot. Indian food, African food, whatever. I eat it. <laughs> Sounds good. So you like a lot of flavor and spices. Yes, spices, exactly. Because we, we use a lot of that back home. So I'm, I'm definitely used to that. Yeah. 
Nice. Well, again, Dr. Nana, thank you so much for being here. Could you thank tell you. listeners how they can get in touch with you and reach out to you? Yeah, so I'm on social media. Um, on Instagram, it's Dr. Nana I'm also on LinkedIn and I'm on Facebook as well. And I can I can give you the information to put in your is a show note or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. I'll put all that in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I'm on all the platforms now. And I actually just joined TikTok a few weeks ago. I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, I don't I don't have a lot going on there, but it's a start. I just set it up. <laughs> Yeah, we should follow each other. I just got one too. Okay, I'll I'll look for you. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Yes, absolutely. I love this. Thank you for having me. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you learned something new from it, I'd love if you could leave us a five-star review and share it with a friend who might love it too. You can find me on any of the podcast and social media platforms by looking up Holistic Pharmacist or Dr. Marina Booksov. Thank you for your support and see you next time.